Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast coming at you. We are in the midst of the pre-free agency rumor clickbait hot take week. It's Thursday, June 27th. Eric Newman in New York and my man BJ Armstrong checking in from the road. BJ, where are you and what are you doing? Well, Eric, I'm, I'm currently at an undisclosed location. Oh boy! <laughs> but I oh am, boy! I am state. I am stateside, and uh, you know it's that time of the year. You know it's that time of the year. But it's always great to be in studio with you, uh, getting the podcast together, and let's get right into it. Virtual studio, of course. So, you know, BJ, you called me yesterday, really excited to share a few things. Um, Before we get into some of those specifics, I want to start with Kyrie Irving. He, of course, has been on an excursion in Japan, posting some very cryptic things on social media. It sounds like Brooklyn is just a done deal, the matter of a press release and an announcement. Uh, Assuming that it is, you know... Is there a sense of deja vu? He wants out of Cleveland. He leaves. He goes to Boston. Everyone thinks it's an amazing situation for him to lead a team in Boston. That doesn't work. Now he's potentially going to a another young and up-and-coming team in Brooklyn. But what do you make of Kyrie's fit in Brooklyn, which doesn't include another star? I'm just talking about Kyrie. Well, when you look at it on the surface, it appears to be that you know he wants to go home. You know, Kyrie is from the, you know, the, the New York area. Um, I believe specifically New Jersey. Yeah, he wants to go home. So this makes sense for him. Uh, makes sense for him to want to be playing and, you know, you know where he grew up. And uh, so I, I definitely get it. I understand it. Um, and many of these kids, you know, we're looking at basketball winning and, and traditional way of thinking about it. But today's youth think about it in a different way. And we have to respect that. So the fact that he wants to go home, he wants to play and he wants to be in Brooklyn, you know, that's music to any, any executive's ears where you have a kid who wants to be there and uh, you move from there. So, um, you know, that's where, if that's his decision, then, you know, I, I get it. Uh, I understand why people are saying and looking at his past, you know, when he went to New York, uh, went to Boston and so forth. But you know what? This is where he wants to be. And if that's his decision, we have to honor that and, and, and respect it uh, and move on. 
Share with me your thoughts on the Brooklyn decision-making. I mean, a, a, a really strong season in terms of their organizational growth, young talent emerging. Karis Levert, who appeared to be their best player uh, heading into the season, goes down. D'Angelo Russell emerges, becomes an all-star. He's now a restricted free agent. Can you weigh the back and forth and uh, the thought process the Nets are going through right now in terms of, okay, do we keep this good thing going? and extend Russell and pay him or make the choice to pivot away from Russell and bring in Kyrie Irving? Well, I think it's, you know, the Kyrie decision is a, is a very difficult one. You know, I, I think traditionally the way we, you know, you've always thought in this league, you have to build around stars. Certainly Kyrie Irving is one of, let's just say conservatively, he's, he's a top 10 player. Uh, I think in this league with his talent and what he's able to do, I think that speaks for itself. You know, he's won a championship, so he has a championship pedigree, and, you know, he, he's right there as a, as a star player and elite player in this league. Now, when you look at what the what, Brooklyn what, But what comes is, with that, though? What comes with that? The diva, well, the it, prima it, donna, know, not it, talking to teammates for a month at a time unless they're on the court, like – those things have I mean, to if, be if, thought if, about yeah. with, with the talent, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, th- those things sound great. And, you know, but you know what? Look, I've been in these locker rooms, and in the end, winning covers a multitude of sins, <laughs> okay? Winning covers all of that up. And so whatever, whatever that comes with, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know. There's a lot said. But in the end, that young man has talent, and that's all that matters, okay? And he has talent, and there's always going to be a team out there that's going to take a chance on talent. That's, that's, that's what this league is all about. So whatever it comes with, it comes with, and someone is going to deal with that talent. You know, you can go around this league. You can say something about every player. But what every executive will tell you, you know what, if we win, it was worth it. Sure. And you deal with it. You, you, you deal with whatever that comes with. Now, no one is not going no is, is to say anything about Kyrie's talent. That young man can play basketball. Let's be, you know, let, let's be clear and to the point there. Now, special talent. I think what makes it, yeah, he's a special talent. So what makes it unique, though, is that Brooklyn seems to have a team where the chemistry worked for that group and that group of young men. They were playing well together. They had a nice mixture of veterans and youth, uh, and they all seemed to get along. And the chemistry that they developed and displayed was terrific this year. And more importantly, they found a way to get in the playoffs and play and play well. So I like the growth. I like the development. I, the culture, scene, everything seems to be moving in the, in the right direction. I don't know how you say no to, to a Kyrie Irving-type talent. And in the end, you have to respect the decision of saying, if someone wants to be there with that talent, you have to take a chance on that. And so I don't think there's a right or wrong. I do like their team. I, I, I love what they were doing and the direction they were moving in. It was unexpected. Um, I don't think anyone was counting this team to be a playoff team at the beginning of the season of last year. So – uh, but it's a tough call, and it's one of those tough calls that, you know, four or five years from now we'll all be able to pinpoint was it a good move or not. But certainly right now you have to take a chance on a Kyrie Irving-type talent and, and see where it goes. Definitely a big decision for Brooklyn. Safe to say Kyrie, one of the best closers in the game. 
uh, he's got to uh, he, he's got a lot to catch up on in terms of the the, uh, the leadership category. But we will see what happens here as NBA free agency is rapidly approaching. Now another player plays the same position, has some of the same skill sets. He's a closer. He's a great locker room guy. He's a leader. His name is Kemba Walker, and it appears the Boston Celtics are now the front runner for Kemba. What have you heard in terms of uh, the inner workings of the talks that Kemba was having with Charlotte and now, of course, with Boston in position to make an offer for Kemba with Kyrie and Al Horford uh, likely departing Boston? What it appears, you know, in the, in the media, we, we've all heard by now that Kemba Walker is the front runner there in Boston, and which I think would be a good fit for him. And, you know, I think it would be good for him for basketball. Uh, in, in terms of basketball, I think it would be good for him, his style of play. And it would give him the opportunity for his talent to be, uh, I guess, you know, in, incorporated into a team that's a very good team. So, you know, Kimba has been a, a great standalone talent there in Charlotte. But certainly when you start talking about the numbers that he will command as a free agent, you, you have to ask the question, you know, what is the price that we can absorb and not get to the playoffs with the player of this talent? Like certainly he will put up the individual stats, but in the end, it always comes down to winning. You know, it, it always comes down to the performance of this league. And when you have a match player, which his numbers will command, then you have the responsibility of winning games and, you know what? I, I get it. He was an all-star. He's been a terrific player throughout his career. Uh, you have to love what he brings to the court. But with that comes the responsibility of winning games. That's just that's the bottom line in this league. And I don't think Kimball alone, um, the way he plays and, and his size, will be able to win alone. You know, some of the, some of the players, a Kyrie, oh, sure. I mean, a, a, a Kawhi Leonard, a LeBron James, a Kevin Durant, you know, those players alone, talent can propel you to affect your bottom line, which is winning games. I don't know if he can do that alone, but certainly he's a great player. And I think financially, you know, you have to weigh that, what that will bring. And I think that's a good fit. I think that's a win-win for everyone involved. And uh, I think, you know, winning will serve him well because that, that, that team with, the, play, the pieces they have around them, I think, will be a good fit for him, Boston, and, uh, and let's see where it, where it goes. Because, I, as again, as I said all year, I like Boston's team. I like, what, I like how they've assembled their roster. But for whatever reason, they didn't seem to have the chemistry to win ball games, especially when uh, things got a little tough there during the playoffs. Absolutely. There's, there's one thing that Kemba Walker brings to the table besides men's talent is uh, team guy, locker room guy, leader, and, and, you know, he'll bring a lot of positive to that chemistry. You know, you talk about Kemba Walker, you know, trying to carry a team like Charlotte last year, you know, over 25 points per game, uh, his third all-star appearance, you know, an impressive season. The guy's never had a consistent or capable supporting cast around him and, and Charlotte, unfortunately, you know, they assembled a lot of bad contracts, you know, Nick Batum, $25 million, Bismack Biombo, 17 million, Marvin Williams, 15 million, Cody Zeller, 14, Kid Gilchrist, 13. They, they've really put themselves in a, in a rough position. 
where they've handcuffed themselves to being able to add the right pieces around him. And now when it's time to extend him for the max, um, it's the flexibility is not there. Now, some of those players I named, you know, can be really good, effective role players on a winning team. But as your supporting cast next to a six foot point guard, um, it's been a problem there in Charlotte. So shifting to the Celtic roster, BJ, the thought of Kemba Walker playing in a quote-unquote system where he doesn't have to carry the load, where you've got Tatum and Hayward and Brown, and of course Marcus Smart as well, uh, that could be a real dynamic, versatile uh, wing perimeter mix, for lack of a better term, for the the Celtics and, and that group of guys. Well, you know, going back to, you know, the comments of, you know, these players, these, these players, all these players in the NBA are very, very good basketball players. And, you know, that's why we make trades in this league. This is, you know, these players all made it because they have a, a certain skill set. The mm-hmm. truth of it is, you know what? <laughs> the chemistry of, of teams and working out how you play and style of play, all of those things are affected. Um, by, you know, really, you know, really gets down to how the coach really wants to play and you and utilize players. There are only so many star players in this league that, that can go around, right? You know, um, so, you know, I just want to, you know, say that. I think when Timba goes to Boston, it will be a shock for him, okay? I think it will be a shock because when you, ha- when you go and you play what I call championship caliber or winning basketball, Okay, winning basketball is different when you're playing. You're not expected to get to the playoffs. But when you're, if the Boston Celtics don't make the playoffs next year, then that's going to be a major problem. Okay, it's going it's to be a ma- it's going to be a major problem for our podcast. Too. Okay, major and problem. I think that and that to me, Kimba, you know, 25 points a game and all those things that sounds great on paper. Okay, but if Kimba's averaging 25 points a game next year, that probably means the Boston Celtics aren't very good. Agree. Okay, so when we I, I think, I, I think he's got to be. I think he's sorry to cut you off. I think he's got to be floor general. He's going to be one of the closers, but I think this gives the team a chance to really spread the ball around and and have a lot of distribution and balance score. Well, it, it, you know, and 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 sometimes that's hard. You know, Kemba is going to command sure. a max contract, and with that comes expectations. With that comes pressure, whether it's pressure he'll put on himself or pressure he will feel from the outside. But that's going to come with pressure, and that's going to come with responsibility. So when these young men are putting up these numbers and these individual numbers, but it doesn't translate to winning, that's different than going to the Boston Celtics. What if he averages 14 points a game and they win a championship? Wonderful. Okay, that's wonderful, but – I guarantee you there will be someone in the media that will say, was it worth it? <laughs> that's just the, that's the world we live in. Okay. Of course. Of if course. They, it, certainly if he averages 14 points and they don't win it, he will be scrutinized up and down. Of why did we get him? Was he the right fit? Why is he the same player? So again, you know, there has to be, a delicate balance. This is why I like him going there because in the end, I think you're right. You know, from a, from a pure basketball stance, look, he's a very capable scorer. 
But at that position, you're going to need players to some nights your job might just be to run the team. Some nights it may be to score. And there's going to have to be a fine balance. You know, the, the balance of today's point guard, if you will, I don't even if you want to call him a point guard, you know, the balance is win the shoot and win the pass. That's been mm-hmm. the most difficult thing, in my humble opinion, about today's lead guard position is they have to score because of the pace of the game. They always have opportunities to score because we're constantly pushing the pace. But, again, when you get to playoff basketball, there has to be a fine balance, right? You just can't score the way, you you know, you, you play during the regular season, and that seems to be a problem. But Kimba is leading the charge. I mean, 25 points a game from a six-foot guard, that's a lot of points, right? And, Absolutely. Um, but I don't think that will be in the best interest of the Celtics next year if they're going to go deep into the playoffs. Couldn't agree more. Al Horford opts out of his last year of his deal uh, talks with him and the Celtics seem to have uh, ceased. He's looking for four years, upwards of $100 million. What are you hearing on the Al Horford front? Uh, share with share with us some of the potential uh, uh, suitors there, either him just going and signing a deal or anything on the side and trade front. Well, I, you know, like, like, like many, you know, fans in the NBA, I, I certainly thought, Al Horford was a good fit there in, in Boston. Uh, I thought it was a good fit for how he plays and the, the basketball and the style. But nonetheless, uh, when I first heard he may leave, I, I started looking like, who has the money to do it, right? So I looked at Dallas, and I thought, okay, that could be a fit. Then I heard New Orleans. I said, oh, that, that could be a fit, but the youth of the team. And then out of nowhere, I'm here in OKC, and, um, and speaking to – you know, sources around the league, that seems to be the landing spot for Al Horford uh, there in OKC. But then you start asking, well, how would they do with Steven Adams? So, you know, because they have Steven Adams there, he's at a big number. And so I'm hearing that, you know, they're looking to move Steven Adams. I think Sam Presti and, and the people there, you know, that's kind of, they put that out there. Now, whether or not they're able to execute it to get this done, uh, only time will tell. But I'm hearing Al Horford to uh, OKC in a, in a deal, a, a potential three-way deal um, with the Celtics and another team in OKC. Possibly that could be his uh, landing spot when it's all said and done. Very, very interesting scenario. And all three of those teams present interesting scenarios. Obviously with Dallas, Horford would fit right in playing with Porzingis uh, on that front line and, and Luka Doncic, of course, uh, in uh, New Orleans, he'd be an ideal veteran presence there with Zion, Lazo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and, and would really uh, be a great front court compliment for, for Zion Williamson. But Oklahoma City, that's really interesting. The skill set of Horford to be a front court distributor, pick and pop, make the three, open up the floor for Westbrook and George, and Steven Adams going back and return to the Celtics. Um, that's a very interesting scenario to think about. Have you heard at all who the third team could be here, or is that just the great unknown right now? Uh, it, it, that's the great unknown right now, right? Obviously, it's going to have to, uh, it's going to have to be a team with that has the the capability to absorb these contracts and the numbers that we're talking about. But one of the things we can't count out with Al Horford is his relationship with Billy Donovan. Great point. Two uh, national championships you know, in Florida. Yep. You know, he, I, I, I'm sure that plays a, a big part into it. You know, the film, you know, I mean, look, when you, you, at this stage of your career, 
Al Horford has been an all-star. He has been a pro's pro throughout his career. So having someone that he's very familiar with uh, at this stage of his career, I'm sure is very appealing to him. And knowing that he's going to play with two other all-stars, right? You know, he's, he would be playing with Russell Westbrook and Paul George and knowing that the coach and knowing exactly what they're trying to do. Now, you know, the West just seems to get tougher and tougher, and, uh, you know, they all can't make it, but that would be a very good team um, if they were able to put those three together and then you, and then you start from there. So, um, but we'll see how it plays out. But I, I'm hearing from some very reliable sources that that could – possibly be the final place for Al Horford uh, there in uh, OKC with that group. And uh, that'd be a good team. So, you know, you hit it on the head with the Thunder. And and we've got this race now in the West, knowing this is going to, you know, be a quote-unquote down year for the Warriors. Obviously, we need to wait to see what KD is going to do, which is going to affect the Warriors' salary cap and how they approach the upcoming season when Thompson and Durant uh, will likely not be playing. So we've got the Lakers. We've got the Rockets. Utah has already made a huge move. Portland made a nice move with Bazemore. We know Denver's going to bring back a very similar team. Uh, talk to me real quick about the Rockets and what we're hearing about uh, potentially unloading Capella, Tucker, or Gordon to get a draft asset to then go do a sign and trade for Jimmy Butler. Well, the Rockets, trying to trade for Jimmy Butler, that's real. And, uh, you know, again, knowing how the Rockets maneuver, in particular we're talking about Daryl Morey and the people, they, they're going to be very active um, with a player like Jimmy Butler. You know, it would be interesting to see if they are able to pull it off, which I think will be very difficult, very complicated. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to, you know, do – they're going to, you know, try every possible way to, you know, make this happen. Um, I just think it will be very complicated to do it. Now, mm-hmm. it sounds complicated. That it, 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 I think it would be very complicated to pull off. I would be very interested to see who he tries to build the team around. You know, I, I would not be surprised if he was able to pull this off with Jimmy Butler. You, you would see players like suddenly JaVale McGee and those type of players will come out as potential, um, you know, players that they will target if they were able to pull this off. Um, I think this is, I think this has the potential to work, to be a very dangerous move because those players, if they're not able to trade them, how will they react once they know that, you know, they were a potential trade for a player. So I think this has the potential to really, because these are, these are like valuable veteran players, but, We'll see how it plays out. Um, who knows? I, I, I know that, you know what, they feel right now that they are the best team in the West. You know, they feel they are the best team in the West well, right well, now. Here, here's my I, question I for you. To... If you're Houston, they've been so close. They, they got their edge back last season after a slow start. Are they looking at this like this is a one-year window of an opportunity to, to win the West and get to the finals, or are they trying to open up this window wider? Well, I, I think I, I think what you have to do is you have you – know, when, when you win and you're expected to win, you have to stay on edge. As an executive, I definitely understand, and actually I agree with what Daryl is doing. Uh, you have to keep your team on edge, and you have to – 
have a sense of urgency, and I respect the fact that he is saying we have to improve our team. Because every year you have to improve your team. I think you saw that this year with the Warriors. The other teams caught up to the Warriors. They caught up to them. It wasn't that the Warriors weren't playing as well as they were a year ago. It's just the other teams caught up to them. So every year you have to look for ways to improve your roster. I, I respect that. I think Durrell knows his team. And the one thing that you have to be able to win, and you, it's absolutely necessary to win, is you've got to have professionals. And I think as a professional, you understand that that's his job. But if it doesn't happen, it's also your job to come out and perform because everyone, every year you're trying to improve your team. So I respect it, but I also, knowing, you know, today's kids are a little different, right? <laughs> it's a yeah, different yeah. era. And, and as and you I said, this, this could be a real job. risk. This could be a real risk a real if risk. it doesn't but go again, through. With, with no risk, there's no reward. And I think he knows his team better. I, I definitely understand that you have to you have to figure out ways to improve. You have to because the league is improving. The Lakers, the Lakers will be better. The, the, the OKC, you know, Utah, who we haven't talked, will be better. Denver, to me, may be the best team over there in the West, and no one's really talking about them, right? They will be better just because of the experience they gained from this year. For um, sure. So, um, but I, I, I think, you know what? You have to figure out a way, but I think it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a dangerous play. But, hey, he knows his team, and I respect that because that's your job. You have to figure out as an executive how to be better year in and year out if you're going to compete in this league. PJ, terrific stuff. Appreciate you making time on the road. My running mate, my podcast partner, BJ Armstrong, giving us the latest from the free agency landscape, free agency starting officially Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Lots of noise, lots of reports out there. BJ, great work, and uh, we will definitely be talking again over this weekend. All right, thank you. NBA summer is here. Never a shortage of drama to talk about in the NBA. We've had the draft. Now we're in the midst of free agency trade season and, of course, summer league approaching. Adam, we're laying down a lot of quick hitters. What are we giving the people? Well, I think, Eric, that uh, we're giving the people the chance in in sort of bite-sized form to um, learn about what's going on in the league. And I think ultimately that's the goal of quick hitters is just so that you don't have to spend a lot of time and you can get caught up right away on what's going on in the NBA and you don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it because hopefully you and I are, are doing the thinking for them. Quick hitters show up right in the quick hitter show feed iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts we are customizing the content to build upon the headlines you see out there on trades free agency draft picks summer league but really give you the insight as to why players are making the choices they're making why teams are going in certain directions what the ramifications and details are and we're really excited about what we're putting out so hopefully you will continue to listen to Adam and I through the summer on NBA quick hitters. Pure Hoops podcast, NBA free agency, and, um, you know, when I can pivot from B.J. Armstrong to Adam Stanko, you know I'm having a good day here talking hoops. So, my man Adam, on the West Coast, much to talk about, and actually as we're recording this on Thursday, we both just got alerts that Anthony Davis has waived his trade kicker. So what that means is the Lakers' max slot is now available as they have $32 million to work with. Adam, what are you sensing now that L.A. does with that, uh, that room and that flexibility? 
Well, the interesting thing is, Eric, we, we talked the last couple of days, it was looking like $25 million that they were going to be able to offer. So all of a sudden, would the bigger name free agents be willing to take less money in order to play with LeBron and AD in L.A.? And now all of a sudden you're talking about they've got the money to make a max offer. So to me, the most interesting name there then becomes Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler, who's been thrown about in all the 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 Rockets trade talks with the sign-in trade, now all of a sudden Jimmy Butler's the guy, instead of taking less money to go play with LeBron and Anthony Davis, what a perfect guy to play with those two. And you add defense, shooting, playmaking ability, all the things that Jimmy Butler brings, his intensity um, to play alongside those guys. Now that is a formidable trio. That's the most interesting name to me with that now new money that's freed up so there's a lot of different ways to look at this and and, you know obviously we've got jimmy butler everyone's Mm -hmm. talking kyrie irving to brooklyn is a done deal but this may change that conversation of course we have Kawhi leonard who we'll get to in a minute but if you're the lakers and you're thinking about this in two ways one you know that you're going to need another star who's going to help get you through the season so lebron can rest when he needs to rest Anthony Davis, as we've seen, has battled some uh, injury problems the last few years. So I think safe to say Anthony Davis, unless something uh, really bad happens with an injury, he's going to play 70 games. LeBron, 70 to 75 games with some nights off, the quote-unquote load management. So then you look at it, and you look at the skill sets of some of these guys. Butler, as you said, two-way player. He will take the burden of LeBron James having to guard the best perimeter player on mostly every night. He can also um, carry a load on the offense as a shooter, as a slasher, as a scorer at times. But then you look at Kyrie, who can give you a lot of points, run the offense, not pressure LeBron with all the playmaking, not feel the need to play Davis out of the post more than he's comfortable doing. So these varying skill sets here, to me, are very interesting. What do you think? Well, that's that's true, and and now you throw in the Kyle Kuzma factor. Yep. Right. What what role Kuzma plays with with this? He'll, he'll fit in. Be... He'll fit in with any of the star players they bring in. I'm I'm not overly concerned. sure. Sure, sure, no concern at all. I think just more when you talk about the interesting part is everyone talks about positionless basketball, but the one position you always still need is someone to literally bring the ball up and you know, who becomes their lead guard. And I think that's the interesting question is almost if, let's say, Jimmy Butler then is the guy that takes that Lakers max slot, then does Rajon Rondo become their point guard again heading into next year, their starting point guard? If if then it's Kyrie Irving, now all of a sudden you're looking at some much different options as now they can fill in with some other wing players. And, and I think that's where Kuzma becomes interesting because if you think about it, Kuzma, Butler, LeBron, and even Anthony Davis to a certain extent, but Kuzma, Butler, LeBron, like ultimately are, are wing guys that play sort of multiple positions. That They are true positionless players. And so it's kind of interesting. You can almost slide in whomever, but I think a Kyrie Irving, Kyle Kuzma, LeBron James, Anthony Davis – uh, that foursome is is certainly intimidating, and I and I think it would be a totally different setup when people talk about that reunion between Kyrie and LeBron. It'd be totally different. New city, playing in L.A. Plus, now you throw in Anthony Davis. You, I, I just think a totally different animal. Kyrie's at a different point in his career. It's not like this was the team that drafted him. So, 
I, I think it'd be interesting if Kyrie is there. Either which way, I think the Lakers are formidable, but it's just a question of what direction do they want to go and who becomes then that fifth starter um, if they get one of those max guys. And, of course, they have to build a bench. I mean, a, a lot of options here. <laughs> and, you know, you mentioned Rondo coming back into the fold. He, of course, played very well with Anthony Davis and Nola. I'm not sure I can say the same about his time in Chicago with Jimmy Butler. But there is one more name here where if Kyrie goes to Brooklyn and Jimmy Butler stays in Philadelphia, ends up in Houston, or potentially ends up with the other team in L.A., the Clippers, which I'll get to in a minute, you could see potentially a return of D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers if he is no longer going to be in Brooklyn. And I know there are some other teams interested in him. How would you see a Russell return to L.A. working, knowing now he'd be with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, of course? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I don't know that we've ever seen a player that has sort of been in that situation. I mean, a rookie with talent, early part of his career, all this potential, and then sort of got swept up in the, I don't know, locker room drama is probably the best way to put it. I mean, that was a maturity thing, and it was a bad decision he made involving something with Nick Young. Young and Magic, who ultimately made the decision, are no longer there. So this is... This is, I mean, I, I, I'm literally, uh, as we record this on Thursday, I, I'm going to have to set up, like, the conspiracy board for the next few days because tracking all these <laughs> scenarios in my mind or on Scribble yes. it's just it's not working. So I'm going, yeah, um, yeah. And, and I'm going Eric, full Homeland. I'm going full Homeland going into the weekend. <laughs> I can picture it. I can picture it now. I, the, the other interesting thing to me about this, though, the D'Angelo Russell thing, you talk about Magic no longer being there. The other part was it, it wasn't just the locker room stuff, though, for him. If you recall – it was also playing time and, and you know, them really unleashing him and his talents. Yep. And now he's an all-star coming back. Byron Scott was in charge at that time. Now you're even talking about, you know, uh, Frank Vogel being there. Palinka's in charge. I think just a totally different setup. Certainly the ownership group's the same, but a different setup in terms of the executives making the decision, the coaching staff. I think it'll be just a different scenario. Plus, of course, LeBron and, and the shadowy figure that, that he is in, in a good and bad way. I, I just think it'd be different, and I think D'Angelo might embrace going back. I, I don't think he wanted to leave. I just think it was this weird situation. They forced him out, and next thing you know, he's an all-star in Brooklyn. He's a super talent, though. There's no doubt about that. It, I'd love to see those guys together on the court. It'd be a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, and, and for all the changes on the L.A. side, I mean, the biggest change here is Russell's an all-star. And, you know, a yes. lot of people are saying, oh, you know, he's, you know, he did it on volume. He did it because Lavert was out. It was because of the Nets' pace and system. Like, whatever the reasons, D'Angelo Russell has made major strides as a player. And obviously, uh, maturity-wise, he has uh, grown a bit. And let's remind everybody, the guy's 23 years old. He's not 28. He's not 30. He's 23 years old. So, uh, mid-pivot here, need to talk mm. about the Clippers is there any way now that Kawhi Leonard is going to seriously look at the Lakers because of this change, or is this still a two-team scenario, return to Toronto or go to the Clippers? What do you think? I still think Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers. I mean, maybe 
look, the conversation has to be had, right? When you have the opportunity, potentially. That's the crazy thing about LeBron and Anthony Davis together is we don't know what else that that could attract around the NBA. Um, You know, you think back to when LeBron and and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh teamed up, every veteran that, you know, anybody who ever put on an NBA jersey was like, hey, I can still play. You know, like, give me a shot. Like, I'll, I'll come pl- run with you guys. Absolutely. We're going to win rings. Like, I think the same sort of thing holds that you know with LeBron and, and AD that not only are those guys big time, but, but they're also going to share the basketball. And I think that's what's appealing to, to other players, that they're also going to get shots, which, of course, as we know with stars in the league, that's what matters so much is, you know, how many minutes do I get, how many shots do I get? And I, I think that's, that's relevant in this scenario. It's not just two random superstars, two alphas. It's, it's, it's actually two guys that are willing to pass and, and looking to do what it takes to win, you know, at all facets of the game. Uh, but I think Kawhi ends up in, in with the Clippers. I, I think, look, the, you know, Clippers have $60 million to spend, and I think that Kawhi is in prime position uh, to, to go to L.A. I think he's wanted to go to L.A. He wants to get back there. Uh, and I know it's going to be difficult for him, all the rumors about him having a place now in, in Toronto and enrolling you know, kids in school and that kind of thing. In Toronto. The, at the end of the day, I think Kawhi Leonard is going to be a clipper. I think this has been inevitable. It's just that it's a long road to get there. What do you think? I have a hard time. I have a hard time with this one. He won a championship. He's the toast of another country. They could easily run it back and represent the East next year if they, uh, you know, keep the roster and make some small, uh, small changes if need be. L.A. is home. The Clippers have obviously been building a winning culture there in terms of um, front office, Doc Rivers, how they performed last year, especially after trading Tobias Harris. I mean, the table is set for him to come in there. I don't see Kawhi as a guy who's foaming at the mouth to play with LeBron and AD. I see him as a guy who would want to go to that city and challenge them and and, and beat them. Um, That's how I'm feeling about it. But I'm I'm a coin flip on whether he leaves Toronto or goes to the Clippers. I'm a coin flip. I think think at this point – Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, can you imagine if Kawhi Leonard brings a championship to the Clippers and at, at some point in his career, and now we've talked about it, wins it in three different places, including Toronto and the Clippers? I, I mean, I, I, here, the question ultimately with all these guys is always what motivates them? And if you can find that motivation, it'll answer a lot of your questions. And that's what makes the Kawhi thing so interesting. We don't know his motivation, but everything that we've sort of heard and indicated is that, you know, he's a Southern California kid. He didn't necessarily want to go to Toronto, but, of course, wanted out of San Antonio. They ship him to Toronto. He did his the best one-year rental of all time, uh, wins a championship. And now to also further his cause, like, goes and wins in L.A. where he wants to be and under Doc Rivers. I, I, I think the whole table is set for him him to be a Clipper. I'm with you. I, I don't think he's the kind of guy. And he just beat the Warriors. I don't think he's the kind of guy that needs to say. And he was a rival of, you know, um, of the Warriors when, when he was with the, 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 the Spurs. Spurs too. Like, and, and he beat, I, and he beat uh, you know, he beat LeBron in the Heat in the finals after losing yes. to them, you know, 13 to 14. You know, lost in seven and yeah. 13. Won the finals MVP in 14. 
This we do know because the alert just came in. Not a surprise. Kawhi Leonard, as being reported by Yahoo, intends to grant the Lakers and Clippers meetings when free agency opens. So we, uh, we, we, we know he'll meet with them. I think the Lakers are a long shot. Um, but there are going to be a lot of other players lining up to uh, join uh, the LeBron AD version of Showtime. And uh, you can bet that uh, Carmelo Anthony is already uh, looking at the surroundings of Staples Center so he can get in there and do his hoodie mellow workouts and post them <laughs> to Instagram. So with that being said, let's pivot to the Clippers because what we're seeing now is the Clippers would love to pair Kawhi with the guy you just mentioned before and who I talked about with BJ earlier in the episode uh, is Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler right now, Philadelphia wants to bring him back along with Tobias Harris. The Lakers, of course, are going to be very interested. And it seems now the Clippers love the thought of pairing those two together. Is this a reality for the Clippers? I I mean, I think if Kawhi is in the mix, I think anybody right now in the league would want to play with him. I, I do. I, I think it's it's a possibility. I mean, I think it's a dream scenario for the Clippers, and there's question marks now on that roster. What are they going to do with some of those guys? Because, you know, you, you go down the list right now at their salaries, and they're, they're perfectly positioned for the next few years. I mean, Danilo Gallinari is on the books right now for 22-6, but he's an unrestricted after this year. Um, Lou Williams is the second most expensive guy in the roster, and he's one of the best bargains in basketball at 8 mil a year. But the other guys, look, look at that backcourt. So we know Landry Shamit and what he was able to do uh, once he got to L.A., Shea uh, Gilders-Alexander. I mean, Alexander, the, the fact that Alexander and Williams are less than $12 million, uh, Harold is at six, who was outstanding last year. Shamit, who really played well after the Harris deal coming over from Philly, and then the guy we were talking about right before you jumped on was, uh, you know, Zubak's a restricted free agent, and they essentially stole him from the Lakers. So they are they are set up really really well here, and you know that Gallinari contract could potentially be moved during the season. But you you put Butler and Leonard on that team, and let's just start with. The, the thought defensively with those two on the floor oh. and and their and their grit and what Alexander can do defensively and you know Pat Beverly is a free agent we don't know where he's going to go but if they found a way to keep him too can you imagine the ball pressure and the attitude of that clipper team every single night with with that crew that's it's it's incredible to think about what the potential is there and you know something philosophically around the league that I just thought about when you were asking that question about you know pairing them up and what that looks like defensively with Butler and Kawhi like you know and, and then you even talk the length of uh, Gilgis Alexander at the lead guard position I mean what what you'd be able to do um, defensively in terms of your length at the wings and, and and the effort there but what's interesting to me is now you look at the league We spent the last few years as teams were doing two different things. One, trying to decide if they were going to make their run at a title in the present, if they actually thought they had enough pieces to make a run at Golden State, and two – or to wait, wait this thing out with Golden State. But uh, but the, but the second part of it was like not only do you decide whether you're going to make a run at Golden State in terms of your roster, but also in terms of 
how do you sort of counter what it is that the Warriors do? Because at some point, if you're going to win a title, you had to go through Golden State. What's interesting now, Eric, is the idea that you look around all of these free agent decisions, and I'm starting to think about how teams there's nobody they're targeting that they have to sort of stack up against. So in other words, it's becoming again like we used to see before the Warriors took over. You just made yourself the best version of yourself you could be and yeah. put it, you know, you roll the ball out there and say, let's go. Because yeah, it's not like, oh, man, no... we have to stop all these wings and shooters and all this. There's, there's no target. Right, and it's also, you know, there's no planning for, okay, our roster uh, as constructed now is young and up and coming, and in two to three years when the Warriors' window is shut, we'll be ready to compete. Like, you need to put the best team together right now to compete for the 2020 NBA championship. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So it's so interesting, and we talked about it with some of our quick hitters we did earlier in the week, the, the, the domino effect, but the more so the interconnectivity here of – how some of these decisions are going to go down. We're, of course, talking about the Clippers, but that's directly tied to potentially what the Sixers do. So <laughs> with with Butler and Harris, who were in-season additions last year, and I can't say enough about the job Brett Brown has done, and the fact that his job was supposedly on the line last year is absolutely crazy to me. But, you know, he's, he's made all these situations work, from the process and tanking to developing the young talent to then integrating Butler and Harris on that team, if you're Philly, uh, where are you right now? You you want to bring these guys back. Reddick's a free agent. He worked well, obviously, stretching the floor and, and, and being their three-point threat. If you're Philly, how are you looking at all this, and what's priority one? Well, I, I think it's this sell to Jimmy Butler of – you know how close we were to beating the Raptors. And I don't even know how much of a sell job you have to do. He was there. He's he's on the floor. He understands it. But the future there with Embiid, with Simmons, and also I'll throw in their draft pick. Matisse Theibel is a guy I saw a ton at, at Washington and is one of the best defensive players to come out of the college ranks in years. A totally, a, a, a totally special defensive player this guy's unique over over three steals a game over two blocks a game over two blocks a game playing at the top of a zone you just do not see that ever um and so my point with that is all of a sudden you've got Simmons you've got Thibel and you got and you've got Embiid defensively you're going to be awesome if you throw Jimmy Butler in there defense is going to win championships and they already were pretty close so I think that's that's the sell to to Butler um you know and not only do you have those guys, but you've got Joel Embiid. He's not an unrestricted free agent until 2023. Uh, ben Simmons is, you know, still a cap bargain for you because he's eight mil this year, and then he becomes restricted after after this upcoming season. So, and then you know, Zaire Zaire Smith still, you know, on the roster, which we haven't really seen from him. That I think for the Sixers, it becomes it, it starts with Jimmy Butler. If you pair him with Thibel you now defensively are the best defensive team in the league and you're awesome and you can do so many different things on the defensive end. If you don't get Jimmy Butler, then it becomes, okay, let's try to get Tobias Harris because we're still long, we can still score. And then they, I think they start to become the team that could steal one of these other, let's call them second-tier free agents. I think they could be one of the surprise teams because – 
you know, there's probably a way now that you can sneak one of these other guys in if they lose both Butler and Harris because who wouldn't want to play with Joel Embiid? I mean, that's the thing. At his age and with what Ben Simmons' potential is, I think there, there are guys that would love to play with them that probably didn't think there was an opportunity, and that might even open up even though, you know, Butler and Harris uh, could end up being the ones that they, that they stick with. And obviously Philadelphia with uh, you know much more cap flexibility retaining their own players uh, in lieu of signing uh, free agents yes. who played elsewhere last season. And that was going to be the next question for you. Are you looking at Butler and Harris as, all right, we want to bring back both, not one or the other, but you answered it for me in thinking they would want to bring back Harris regardless. So uh, a, a lot to sift through in Philadelphia. I, um, you know, when I do the show, and, and you know this, you know, I, I weave in my my fondness for the Celtics um, at certain points. Obviously, the Sixers and Celtics, great rivals, one of my favorite rivalries in sports. Um, I don't envy Sixers fans right now. There, there's a great unknown out there for uh, what type of team they're going to be next season, whether they're going to have these guys or not. So a lot's going to be answered for Philadelphia, uh, that first 24 to 36 hours in free agency. Uh Adam, thanks for jumping on today, man. This was this was great. Uh, Adam Stanko and I we're, we're recording uh, NBA summer quick hitters, giving you the latest on free agency trades, the development of all these very talented draft prospects as they head into summer league. So we're having fun with that. Please, uh, you know, subscribe to that feed, download the content, share it. It's meant to spark conversation and give you guys, the basketball-loving audience, uh, just a little bit more info and insight than you're getting out there on the day-to-day and really break a lot of these things down. So, Adam, we'll be talking to you again for sure over the next uh, 48 hours heading into free agency over the weekend. Great stuff today, my man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Same on your end. And, uh, hey, anytime I can jump on a podcast that has Eric Newman and B.J. Armstrong, one day I'll actually get to talk to B.J., which would be, you know, the ultimate dream. We will run the three-man weave for sure. (laughs) All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Another episode of the Pure Hoops podcast in the books. Special thanks to Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolf, and the entire Pure Hoops media team. Lots on the horizon. Free agency starting Sunday, 6 p.m. Eastern. Next week, we'll be back with the Mike Wise Show, Catch and Shoot, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, and, of course, the Pure Hoops podcast. Keep an eye on our social. Keep an eye on our feed for all the latest going on with NBA Summer and the world of basketball. Have a great weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.